Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Luke 17:10. I love this verse. It says it all, doesn't it? Offering our words and our thoughts to God. I mean, if I really did that every time I uttered a word, I wonder how much more gracious I would sound. I wonder how little I'd say. My mother used to tell me, if you don't have anything good to say, then don't say anything at all. That's wise advice, but when I met with silence after doing something, I think, well, no one can think of anything nice to say, and I beat myself up. (laughs) And the meditation of my heart, my thoughts, those aren't as damaging, because they're generally locked inside and may not be ever heard. But according to the Catholic folklore I grew up with, even thinking about wanting my neighbour's pretty shoes, for instance, was a sin. How do we keep our thoughts and words pleasing to God? Not saying anything? and read and watch material that will enlighten and accompany us on our journey as we work out our own salvation. Well, I can regulate what I listen to, watch and read, but sometimes the words just spill out of my mouth when I open it, with no regard to whom they're directed, and I know they're not pleasing to God. Maybe if I memorise this verse to pray before I start to say something, it may draw me up sharp and have me consider rephrasing. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Good afternoon and good evening. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny, and I'm going to be talking about my life as a homeschooler with my blue-eyed cowboy and our four children. Well, of course, the children are all grown now, but once a homeschooler, always a homeschooler, and I still have plenty of up-to-date tales about the family that derive directly from their exposure during their formative years to our unconventional lifestyle. My cowboy and I have moved back home, and there'll be more about that in a minute. I'm in East Texas, where God dwells in the ordinary. I see Bible verses and draped crosses in the strangest of places, and I'm reminded that God is always there. It's me who drifts off sometimes and needs bringing back. Each week, I invite someone to join me during this hour, and we talk about the delights and insights of parenthood. Whether they're homeschoolers or not, we put the world to rights on the issues of child-rearing. Regardless of topic, I think you'll find our chats always speak straight to the heart of parents who put their children above their highest joy. Today, my guest is my blue-eyed cowboy. Yes, Larry McNenny is going to be talking to us about moving home. So you'll want to stay tuned for that after the first break. And I'm going to be talking about Canterbury, Deep Purple, The Final Move and Something's Digital. I'm drinking sparkling water today since it's a wee bit hotter here than it was in England and I need refreshing at this noon hour. As all my postcards used to say, I wish you were here, but at least you can hear me spouting on while you sit comfortably. Let's begin, shall we? My brother decided to move all his furniture and knickknacks from the flat without the brawn of movers. That was all fine and dandy, it's his decision, but I could tell my cowboy was a little worried. It wasn't so much the risk that he may not show up or show up later than we hoped, more the fact that he'd have to help my brother move the couch and the table and the chairs and everything else into the car with him. 
Oh, I told him to be clearing out the garage when he arrived. Well, he arrived at six in the evening and we had decided after they, he and his oldest son, got the first load into his car that we'd pop to the pub to see some friends for the last time and then off for a meal because it was our last night. When they returned for the second time at close to 7pm with a friend in tow who owned a large SUV, we carried out what we could safely move into the lobby of the flat and then locked up and went out. I must say we had a lovely final meal and when we returned to the flat all was peace and quiet and everything had gone that needed to go. We had six large suitcases sitting in our bedroom. We decided that all the things we wanted were not worth the minimum freight charge. It would be more economical to pay the extra for an additional suitcase. Our front hallway looked crammed and we knew we'd need the patience of Job to get us through the next few days not to mention the long air travel day after the weekend. The following day, we managed to clear out the rest of the flat, lots of stuff to throw away, and I am not a fan of waste. As my brother was sorting through the last cupboard where I'd stored all the things he'd said he'd wanted from the estate, that sounds so grand, doesn't it? I'd already taken my share of the precious items the year before. I'd given him a black rubbish bag and a cardboard box so that he could throw away what he didn't want. There were some pieces of pottery that I'd had my eyes on by my, they were, they were done by my artist cousin, and I'd been sorely tempted over the six months to just squirrel them away, hoping he wouldn't notice. But my brother is as observant as a three year old, and I didn't want to take anything that wasn't mine, so I reluctantly stilled my itching fingers and left the pieces in his cupboard. I understood him throwing away casserole dishes and saucepans, frying pans and even bone china cups. But when it came to the pieces of handmade lottery pottery that I had my eye on, which he casually threw away, I pounced. I was rewarded for my honesty. Funny, God does work in the ordinary. So I got my little pots anyway. After he left, we cleaned and called in a final gas and electricity meter reading and left by 3.30 for our hotel at Heathrow. I always joke with my cowboy that he likes to get to places really early and this time he outdid himself. We were two days early. Our hotel stay was uneventful except for the threat of a storm on Sunday night. 80 mile an hour gale force winds were forecast and travel on trains on Monday morning was halted until 9am so British Rail could send out scouts along their lines to make sure they were clear. What would it do to incoming flights? Well, my cowboy called American Airlines and was assured they'd send him an email if our flight was cancelled. We enjoyed our Sunday finding a lovely 11th century church to worship in and a delightful cafe to have breakfast near the park in Osterley, where the King of Brunei has a house. We didn't go for a walk because the wind was beginning to get strong and we went back to the hotel and lounged around. A treat for the two of us as we're always on the go. Hotel rooms tend to have nothing to be on the go with. And the double glazing in the hotel was fabulous. We could watch the planes coming in on their flight path, but we couldn't hear a sound. We heard no storm in the night. The following morning, we were up bright and early to catch our shuttle bus to the terminal. And my Texan went downstairs to get a luggage trolley and came back with the startling news. Our flight had been cancelled. He checked his email and sure enough, we had been put on another later flight. This one, though, was direct, not stopping in Raleigh, and arrived two hours earlier in Dallas, so not so bad. But he called American anyway to find out why our flight had been cancelled. And the lady said, big storms in England. And he looked out at the tranquil view over the airline, sun blazing, trees gently swaying, and said, what storm? 
Well, apparently, as we discovered later, there had been brutal storms south of us along the coast and it had affected incoming flights whose route was right through the weather. That was our flight. But anyway, we managed. So we were really early for check-in and went anyway so we could have coffee at the hotel at the airport. The hotel shuttle bus was empty, so all our bags fitted in easily. Then there were no lines at the desk, so we got through security and check-in without a hitch. We did the last part of the procedure where our hand baggage was checked, and I was frisked because I beeped as we went through the radar. And then we were thrust into the middle of a busy international airport. Our flight left on time was monotonously boring and long. The man next to me rustled newspapers for 10 hours. But apart from that, not a bump or an air pocket to boost excitement. We must have landed right next to our gate because no sooner had we touched down than the seatbelt lights went off and everyone was up. Passport control was a breeze. Now I have an American document. It was automated and quick. We picked up our mountain of bags and within an hour were on our way to another hotel. Then the week of disorientation began. I admitted to my gentleman that I kept forgetting whether I was in England or America. Part of it had something to do with not having the familiar surroundings of our American home to ground us. We were in a generic hotel room that could have been anywhere in the world. We saw the two children who were in America the following day, which was fun. My nanny daughter had her almost three-year-old charge with her, and he was as cute as all his photos. Not at all shy around us, probably because he's spoken to us on Skype during the four months she's been working with him. Our oldest son helped move his den furniture into our storage units and replace it with a bed and dresser for Dawes, who's going to live with him when she returns from her cruise ship. They're both excited to begin the friends phase of their lives. Oh, well, whatever, what pleases them. It looks as though it's time for me to go on a break. So let me introduce my guest first. As I said in my introduction, my blue-eyed cowboy Larry McNinney is joining me. He shared the homeschooling years whenever he wasn't out on the road. And as a tour manager, as a tour manager for any number of impressive bands that caught the children's interest a whole lot quicker than anything I was trying to do with them while he was while he was around. What's it like to travel on a private train with Eric Clapton? is a must-know for young, impressionable teens. And my cowboy spent many a happy hour regaling them with wild and exciting stories from his music career. Today, though, we're not going to be talking about his job or how I was the focus of Love at First Sight. We've had those conversations in previous shows. Just go to the archives and search for Larry McNinney and listen in. Today, we're going to be examining the timely question, is it ever too old to move back home? I'll be back in just a few moments, so don't go anywhere. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Mark Lipinski is coming to Toginet. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski, a live two-hour show Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Creative Mojo. It's fun, entertaining, informative, inspirational, and illuminating. Lipinski has worked on such shows as Oprah, The View, The Joan Rivers Show, and Ricky Lake. He's busy, but he's got the drive to share with Creative Mojo, dedicated to the modern crafter and crafting lifestyle. Dive into the info and enjoy everything from celebs to entertainment news to recipes, quilting and needlework, knitting, painting, woodworking, Christmas crafts, and so much more. This show boldly encourages you to discover and harness your own creative spirit by living creatively every day. For more on Mark and the show, check out marklepinski.com. Don't miss the fun. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. 
Wednesday afternoon, starting at 3, 2 Central, on Toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, hello, Larry. How are you this afternoon? I'm fine. I'm just upstairs from where you are. You sure are. And uh, it's a little bit of a different situation, us returning from England back to America. Would you, would you like to talk about it and, and describe uh, where we are and what we're doing? Well, uh, at the moment, we're here to pick up Malia, our daughter, who is coming off a five-month uh, cruise, a four-and-a-half-month cruise, where she's been performing uh, throughout the Mediterranean and the Baltic Sea um, on board a, a big ship. And uh, we've rented a motel because we no longer have a home. And we're here to pick her up this evening when her plane arrives, if it arrives, if mm-hmm. everything goes as planned. Yeah. So um, when we sold the house, I've talked about this a lot on my show. We sold the house and the very next day, virtually, we got on a plane and went to England. And so we really haven't experienced life back in Dallas without our house. The children have, but we've not had an opportunity to do that. When we got to England, how did it feel? I mean, did it feel as though we didn't have a house or was it not until we returned last week that it all suddenly fell into place? We went, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, we're homeless. I think when we... When we got back last week, it hit me that, that, well, I knew it was coming. I knew on the flight home that it was coming, but it hit me that all of a sudden the security of our house, our home, uh, the the walls, the furniture, the the view, the swimming pool, all those things, they're here, but they no longer belong to us. I think it was was kind of uh, shocking, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I know. I remember we were we were driving around. What well, the first thing we did was um, go to our storage unit and pick up our car. And you said it's really odd because now I can't say, "Oh, that's our Kroger" or "That's our whatever." Yeah, no, it was. Uh, I did drive by the house, and um, not a lot has changed. They've done a few things outside, uh, cut the bushes down a little bit, trimmed them. I know they've done some work inside. Uh, I don't think I'm ready to go knock on the door and go have a look, but mm. it's um, it's still our city. I mean, I grew up here uh, long before we met, but mm. it's it's an odd feeling not having a house, uh, mm. or, you know, that that we lived in for so long, and all of our kids grew up in. Mm. Uh, they've got places to stay, uh, but we're we we don't. Right yeah, moment. yeah. I joke also that we're we're homeless and. Uh, we also sold our flat in London. Now, that was a little bit different. How did you feel about that when we, when we sold that? Uh, well, it was almost kind of a double whammy. We had been wanting to sell it. We tried to sell it, you know, the previous time we were there. Then it fell through. And then this time we got really fortunate and found a, an interesting, it was an interesting situation how, the, how we sold it to the couple. But a really nice couple that bought it. But all of a sudden... Like our house here, it the end came quickly. Mm. 
we thought about it, we planned it, we knew it was going to happen, but all of a sudden, wham, 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 and then we're on a plane back to America. It's all over with and done. Well, yeah, and I, I suppose normally when people sell a house, they're moving into another house, but it would happen just as fast because there's nothing you can do except prepare, and then on the day that the movers come, it happens all in one day. It's not kind of like, yeah. you know, moving out of your home slowly but surely. You just kind of, it all happens in one fell swoop. But, uh, yeah, and I find I find with the London flat that we was, the novelty hadn't worn off yet. You know, it was rather nice to have our own place to go to each time we went, whereas before we used to have to rent, even though my parents were here, right? Well, we had, you and I enjoyed it. it. I mean, the year and a half or the 13 months we were there previously, uh, while Leo was away at college, most of that time, we had a great time and we uh, made a life for ourselves, uh, our empty nest life. Mm. So we knew what we were going back into. Um, and then, but when Malia went on the ship, it was back to just you and I. But I think we made the most of, of the six months we were there. I mean, we saw a lot of shows. We did a lot of things that we hadn't done. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I mean, it was quite, it was a lot of fun and quite exciting. Mm. Um, and now it's, it's a bit odd thinking that that's no longer there too, you know. I know, I know. And, and we, yeah, we traveled back with, all our bags and just about everything. We managed to bring everything with us, and that was pretty painless, actually, because all of our, you know, all the connections were made really easily. Um, yeah. and But then I, I'm with you, you know, we kind of, we came back. My cousin actually said um, he'll be praying for us in our leap of faith. <laughs> I thought, yeah, it is a bit like that. You know, it's kind of jumping off a cliff, and we don't really know where we're going to land. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. We... It, everything we know is here, but all of our stuff, everything that we own, except for what we've got in our suitcases and all is in storage and packed away. And, you know, normally, I guess when people sell a house or, uh, you know, they move their furniture and they, whether it's across state or, you know, the country or just in the same town, they move to another house and the furniture's unpacked and you put things up on the wall and we're not doing that. No. Yeah. Not yet, Easter, but it, it's so it's kind of it's 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 an odd, empty feeling, you know. But uh, so I mean, I know some, I know it'll change. I know we'll get used to it, but it, it, it's definitely uh, different. Well, this is this is the thing. I, I'm thinking. Okay, I want to remember what it's like now. You know, what my first few days of being back are like. And so instead of trying to focus on, oh gosh, you know, what are my plans? I'm trying to focus on today so that I can remember it because I know that you know we will get used to it things will change you know and and it'll it'll be all right but uh, I want to be able to remember that <laughs> well I'm looking forward to seeing Malia when she gets off the mm -hmm. plane tonight I mean you know we haven't seen her in a while although we communicate via Skype mm. um Ian's work uh, uh his work and but it's good to see him in Paris the other night and um Oh, yes, and we got Simon away. Where's Simon? Well, uh, yes, Simon's on the other side of the world in Cambodia right at the moment. Mm. With, uh, so there's still, I mean, we still are really scattered. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> I know. Yeah, it's completely different. I mean, not only do we not have a home, but we don't even have all of our children in the same place. And we're not used to that. And I was speaking to some of my friends at my reading group and, you know, they're in the same situation. They've got, you know, their children are all in different parts of America and they don't see them every day. So I think we're kind of a little bit spoiled that we had our children here or with us in Garland, maybe not living with us at home, but living in the same city so that they can pop in. I think I would prefer kind of like little house in the prairie days where, where <laughs> stays in the same farm and build, yeah. they get married and they build their own little hut over there and they're the 30 part, 30 acres over there, you know, yeah. like their house. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about what we think the future may hold, perhaps. Um, I know, obviously, a new home, but, you know, some of our ideas, perhaps, we could talk about. Well, I've been working really hard trying to imagine the winning lottery numbers. I, I don't. <laughs> I, I'm just trying trying to think of numbers that that might mean something out of all this move. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I don't. I mean, we've got ideas. We've you know we we've, we've talked about land buying buying land and having a business, uh, some kind of retreat center possibly. Or I know both of us have looked at with live by water or on water or a lake or the ocean, I mean, which might be possible, might not be. Um, You know, the question of do we want to go isolate ourselves on 40 acres out in the middle of the country or do we want to stay near a city? Uh, I want to be near our kids as much as possible. That's important to us. Mm. But, I, you know, so there's there's a lot of unknowns at the moment, you know, and that's, that's kind of scary. Yeah, we both had parents that moved out of the city, right? Yeah. And it made it difficult. It made it harder, even though my, my parents moved out of London. I wasn't no longer living in London. I wasn't, I wasn't even living in England. And yet when I came back, I used to have to, you know, land at the airport and then have to drive two hours to where they were. They weren't just right there in London anymore. Yeah. And um, you, you, the same thing happened to you. Yeah, my mom sold... Uh the house I grew up in when she, uh, for my dad died and she remarried and then she, they ended up moving an hour and a half east of Dallas, mm. you know? So, I mean, you had to actually, it took some effort to get, you know, just to go see them. It wasn't, you couldn't, couldn't just pop by every afternoon or evening or once a week easily. Yeah. You had to make a special trip, you know? No, and that's, that's something I think, well, you know, I don't know if I want to do that, although I wasn't even living in England when my parents moved, so I don't know what I'm complaining about. I wasn't even there. But, uh, That's part of the, the world culture is like that now, and I think it's probably going to get even more so because business and, and I mean, uh, Simon's wife, Lindsay, her brother is working in Singapore for an American company. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's, all those things are so so much more common. I, they've been going on for years and years and years. But I, I, I don't, you know, keeping the family unit together is is probably not not going to be an easy chore over the next, you know, few decades uh, uh, under any circumstances. Just because of the way the world is changing and, and business and you know. Yeah, we were a little bit spoiled with both of our boys still living in. Well, in Dallas anyway, but they would work somewhere that was really close to the house. And so it wouldn't be 
unusual them for them to kind of pop in and have a cup of coffee, bring their laundry with them. That was probably the main pull, the washing machine and dryer. But uh, come over to get me to help them fix their car, so. yeah. yeah, or something like that. And so, you know, that that's the kind of thing that I don't want to not have. But the thing is that that's going to happen eventually, isn't it? I mean, the, once they get married, they're not going to be wanting to pop backwards and forwards to mum and dad all the time. They have their own life like we did. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's true. And, I mean, that's that's a change that we've got to adjust to. Mm. You know, and, I mean, I guess, the, I guess there's some adjustment on their side, but they're the ones going through it. We're watching it. We're standing on the outside watching it happen to them, which is what God intended. You know, I mean, they're supposed to, we're supposed to get them ready to go out and, lead their own lives and, and prepare them for their own life best we can, and that's what we've done. So yeah, they're doing it, but... Uh, so I wonder how long it takes to get used to something like that. <laughs> I don't know. You know. They say there's no manual for raising children. There's no manual for empty nesting either. No, no. And, and I read some blogs where, where um, parents just go off, you know, they buy an RV... And off they go. They can write or do their whatever they do, you know, on the road, on their computers. And, you know, they have a grand time of it and leave their children behind. But, you know, I think as homeschoolers, we probably get a little bit closer to our children, don't we? We kind of live live in each other's lives a lot. Well, and that's one of the reasons we did it. And, you know, because we wanted to be part of their lives and wanted them to be part of our lives mm. and steal the values and all that. So, mm. But people, you know, these people that buy motorhomes and all that, I wonder where they get the money to put gasoline in it. Well, know? I suppose they just sell their house, and so they've got that money. You know, it's the in, it's the insurance money or it's the utility money or something. You know, yes, a houseboat and living on a really nice lake. I don't know that we'd be able to start the engines of the houseboat. <laughs> we're on it, you know, but we probably for the houseboat, maybe just not the fuel to run it. We would just be able to put a sail up when it's windy and just sail across the the lake. Yeah. The lake, lake, lake. And then Malia, of course, coming back. She doesn't have a home to come back to. She was living with us. And so we sold the house, moved to England. She was living with us. And then she got her job on the ship, and now she's back again. And so very graciously, um, her older brother has um, asked her to go and live with him. I don't think it's for free I think they've got to work that out. And so they're going to be renting a place together, um, which is going to be different, completely different for her, because I don't think she's ever been without our our wallets. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, she's got some growing to do. But then over the last four months or so on the ship, she's grown up a lot. I mean, she's been to Russia twice. Uh, uh, she's been to Italy a, a dozen times all over these ports and places that, most people never will have the chance to go to. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, she's grown. I think she's probably going to be, she's probably going to be better prepared for it now. Had now, if she had not gone on the ship. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It'd be a real nasty adjustment. At least now, I think, you know, she's probably going to, you know, okay, this is the next step in growing up. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we've got to go on a short break, and um, after we get back, after these few little messages, Larry and I will be talking about where we're actually living now, so 
Don't go far. Go replenish your cup of tea or your cup of coffee or whatever it is that you want and come back in just a few moments. We'll be here. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Well, Larry, it seems odd to call you Larry because on my show I always call you my blue-eyed cowboy or my southern gentleman or not Larry. But anyway, as my guest, you can be Larry, my husband. And um, I want to talk on this segment about where we are actually living now. We didn't. We decided not to come back and rent, at least not straight away we thought we'd try something a little bit different would you like to tell us what we did well because we haven't decided <coughs> excuse me what we want to do or where we live or you know um we decided to uh do what most kids are doing or a lot of college kids are doing and they're moving back in with their mothers <laughs> and fathers if they have a father so we well the mothers and fathers so uh so we decided to move back in with my mother uh, actually, my mother lives uh, 80 miles east of Dallas, and her husband passed away about three years ago. And she's been living on her own. She still works at 84 years old, mm. and but she's awfully lonely. Mm. Uh, she works four days a week and is off, and uh, she wants to work. I mean, she enjoys her work. She likes to be social and all, but she's been lonely for three years and you know that's the worst part of it for her is uh, because she's a social person and likes to be around people yeah she would come home and there's nobody and so we kind of looked on this as an opportunity to go spend some time down there while we adjust while we figure out where we want to go what we want to do east texas is beautiful there's a lot of land down there and green pine forests and some really nice lakes. Mm. So um, so we've actually moved in with my mother, which is a different adjustment. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, she has this lovely large house and has told us that, you know, we, we need to do what we do. She has her routine that she does. And we've got our bedroom and next to it is a bathroom. And then there's another bedroom which um, can be set up as an office. And then she set up, 
was it an extension? Was that wasn't an extension out there, was it, that she set up for me? Oh, it, was, it was originally built as an office-type space. Yeah, yeah. And so that's been assigned to me. So I got this panoramic view of her garden, which is, is really nice. And uh, so there's plenty of space for us. And um, I personally like the walks and the, the area because it's a really pretty area. So it's not as if we're kind of moving in with mum in her one-bedroom flat or two-bedroom flat or anything like that. So. Oh, no. She's, she lived, it's a golfing community, a private golfing community, a gated community, and you have to have a special pass to get in. Uh, and I would I would imagine it's probably, you know, 500 or 1,000 acres, mm-hmm. big enough for two, well, uh, uh, two golf courses on it, I think. Um, and the three lakes, it's got three lakes, right? Uh, with, you know, one's big enough to ski on, and then one's a fishing lake, and one's something else. Yeah. But, uh, and and all, and uh, it's a lot of a lot of retirement people that are, or people that needed one of second homes from Dallas and the Shreveport area kind of merged right there, in East Texas. So I mean, the area itself is really nice. It's quiet and safe, and and everybody's real friendly. I mean, even if you know them, you know, you wave as you're walking past, driving past, and all that. So. Mm. Uh, it, it, it's nice and comfortable that way. Well, and as your mother said the other evening when we were sitting um, chatting, she said, you're not here because you can't afford to live on your own, which is true. So we're sort of, uh, it's a mutual, mutually beneficial. You know, it's kind of like a, a good place to be while we look around and decide where it is that we want to live. And it's helpful for her because now she doesn't have to come home to an empty house. Yeah, well, and we're also not mooching off of her. We're going to pay our own way and, and help out with the bills and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't want any of your listeners thinking we're, you know, <laughs> off an 84-year-old woman who's working. That sounds pathetic. I know, but, you know, <laughs> we were trying to come up with ideas because at one point we, we batted around the idea with your brother, your younger brother, you know, bringing her to Dallas, you know, to be closer because really, you know, 80 miles is, is not, you know, it's not that far away but it's not easy just to go pop in there every day and visit her and we thought well what is she going to do all day every day <laughs> well that i told her the other day she was talking about working and all of that and the other day and i said well okay you, you know we could help support you if you stopped working which is fine and we're all my brothers and i and we're, we're happy to do that we you know we're not you're not doing this because there's nobody to take care of you but i said but what would you do i said i, I told her i said i think you would drive yourself nuts <laughs> being bored to death because there's nothing to do yeah because she cannot just sit down and not do anything she like like her mother you know, my grandmother sewed. Uh, she never sat down that she wasn't making something with her hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my mom's got to be, uh, she, she not, doesn't sew like my grandmother did, but I think she has to be doing something. She, you know, wants to be social, uh, you know, and, and she said uh, the other day, she said, uh, she said, I, I don't feel 84. She said, I'm able to get up and walk around and do things and stand on my feet eight hours a day working. And that's <laughs> proud of herself unfortunately uh, everybody else that her group of friends they've all died yeah i know that's the worst thing she's one of the only ones of her group left set yeah well so that's a story and a moral in itself isn't it you need to make young friends 
<laughs> well, that's right. You can make some old friends, but you need to have some young friends as well, so that they don't die. Off, so they're there. After after her husband died, I kind of imagined that maybe she and the neighbor, who was a a widower near her same age, might actually you know hook up. I'm trying to match make my mom with this. <laughs> uh, although he smoked, uh, he was a really nice man, uh, but he died. Yeah. Months ago, so that one, there goes that. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll make it work. We've got internet coming in. You know, one thing we discovered down there was we don't get really good phone service. So, you know, we're going to learn a lot living out in the almost country. It is pretty countryfied where she is, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's in the boonies. It's in the boonies, but there is a town nearby that's not too far, Lindale. That's not too bad. No. But, well, actually, Lindale is where Toginet is based. Oh yeah. Uh, so it's a it's a thriving metropolis of Lindale, Texas. It's actually where the singer Miranda Lambert's from. All right. Um, I don't I don't know what the population is. I mean, I imagine four thousand or something like that. Yeah. But it's also only ten miles from Tyler, Texas, mm. which is maybe you know, hundred thousand people. Oh, it's massive. It's grown and grown and grown. So I'll have, you know, I, I'll, I'm sure I'll have to find out what the population of the area is. But it's nice down there. It's nice and peaceful. The drive's not too difficult uh, and all that. But uh, and we'll enjoy it down there. But it'll give us an opportunity to sort out, you know, what we're going to do and all that. And, and it'll give my mom a chance to have some company around, mm. you know, and so yeah. don't drive each other crazy. Well, she does say she can't be on her own, so... so uh, <laughs> No, she can't, but at least she works four days a week. So, all right. So going home, not quite the same, but it makes me think, you know, the, there never comes a time when you can guarantee that some member of your family isn't going to show up at the front door and say, do you have a bed? So that's that's good. I mean, I, I think that's good if we're living in the same area and that sort of thing can happen. Because, you know, a lot of times if people are living out of state and they're nowhere near family, you know, what do they do if they're in a desperate situation or, um, you know. So that's what I want to try and nurture and, um, with, with our children. But I don't know if they're going to bother staying in Texas for no, the next couple of years. Maybe they will. And Texas is a huge state, too. So they can still be in Texas, but they could be several hours away. So. Well, I mean, and we hope, you know, I mean, the, the taking care of your family, your, your parents or Mm-hmm. Young ones, I, you know, uh, families used to do it for centuries, you know, and, and particularly in other countries, even probably, you know, more so still. Uh, and so we need to be cognizant of, of that, that we need to watch after each other. But yes, they're going to be moving and, you know, we don't know where we'll all end up. But uh, at the moment, it's kind of a big transition. It's kind of a big question mark out there. It is. It is. And, and I woke up. Uh, during the night and thought, ooh, I'm not really in my own place. You know, you said that as well, and, and I'm not, and I wonder how I feel about that because in England I was in my own place, you know. Um, but, you know, I, I feel very welcome, but none of the stuff around me is my own stuff except what you said is in is in the closet. So, But you've talked about wanting something tropical, so, I mean, we may have another big change down the road after several months or maybe a year with your mum so that sounds it sounds ideal I mean it sounds wonderful I've always wanted to do that I love the blue water and the the sand and the warmth and all that so I mean I don't know if that's possible but 
It's something we're going to look into, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And with my little traveling homeschool series that I did in the summer, there were a lot of families who travel a lot and don't actually have a home that's their own. But I think you and I decided that as long as you've got your family around you, you know, which they did have, they would have their children because they were homeschooling their children, then that feels, you feel as though, you know, you've got something. And I think what what's happening with us is we don't have either our four walls that we know around us or our family around us. So it's just kind of, ooh, it's a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've lost the four walls and we've lost the four children. We've not lost them, but but they're all they've been put in different places. So <laughs> they don't need us anymore. You know, um, yeah, our, our daughter, our daughter, who's the nanny, brought her little charge with her last week when we arrived first to spend the day with us. He Tell was, us about him. Well, he was cute. He, he uh, he's going to be three in January, I think he is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's cute as he can be. He hasn't had a haircut since he was born, I don't believe. So he's mm. got this long, these long curly brown locks. He wears glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, and he but, looks just like Paris. Yeah, yeah, he looks like Paris did, but she was little. <laughs> he's cute as can be, and he's learning how to talk, and he loves to talk, and he's now learning how to mimic. I mean, he, his words aren't real clear. But they're getting better uh, since she's been working with him, actually. He, he's learning how to mimic, so she has to be careful what she says. Mm. And she's starting to have to spell things around. She doesn't want him to think of chocolate or a cookie or something. She'll have to spell cookie yeah, yeah. You know, to somebody if she wants to say the word cookie and stuff. But, but it took, I don't know about you, but it took me way back to when our children were young. And I went, oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was cute and me. Yeah. We brought him back a little a London bus and a London taxi, a little metal uh, metal cars that he can play with, and he just he he was he was pleased with that. He thought those were the best things he got. Yes. You know? uh, those those are really good times, and you know I I've always said to my friends who have young children that drive them crazy. Gosh, the time goes so fast because at one point we had we had four of those. Yeah, you know, and. Uh, you know they are they are completely delightful, but we had a little bit a bit of a taste of being grandparents because it was really nice at the end of the day to say bye as Paris and he drove off. You know that yeah. that was the end of that. Okay, well we happened for real, I guess. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well. <laughs> All right. Well, we've come to the end of our time, and it has been lovely chatting to you. I was chatting to my uh, my husband that I refer to as my blue-eyed cowboy about our move back from back from England for the second time. Um, Larry McNenny is, um, for those of you who remember from other conversations that we've had, tour manager, extraordinaire, raconteur of captivating stories, a homeschooling empty nester of four, victim of love at first sight, and now joined me as a homeless wanderer. As an entrepreneurial whiz whose brain never stops working, rather like his mum, we talked about the events that led up to our homelessness this year and how it's impacting our day-to-day living, our relationship with 
with our children and our perspective on where we want to spend the next phase of our lives and what we are being called to do. You can go to Larry's uh, website, roadcases.org, to learn more about one of his latest projects. And you can pop over to my blog, boomerang.org, to find out how we are faring living back at home on a day-to-day basis. Larry, thank you so much for coming and talking to me this afternoon. You have a wonderful weekend with me in East Texas. Well, thank you for having me as your guest, and I'll I'll be downstairs in a minute and give you a big kiss for having me as a guest. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Bye, everyone. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Hi, everybody. This is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Yes, why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear the latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. As I said, living in my mother-in-law's spacious ranch on a golf course with three lakes is five-star and perfectly suited to our love of the quiet. The only quirky thing is my Texan keeps saying, I'm a bit old to be moving back in with my mum, but it's an in-joke and I'll let you know how things work out each week. Travelling takes it out of you, at least it does me, especially when it's not an ongoing activity. I know even my travelling homeschooling guests have to take breaks from travelling sometimes. After five days of no yoga, walks or fruit and salads, I was getting antsy. Commentary breakfast, as my nanny daughter used to call the free breakfast we'd get at some of the hotels we stayed in, is all well and good if you can stick to the fruit and the yoghurt. But I can't. So it was a toasted bagel and eggs, hash browns and bacon or sausage for me each morning. Not exactly healthy, but delicious. As soon as we arrived in Lindale, it was a gorgeous fall day, I went for a walk. I didn't even pretend to unpack a thing. I felt so much better. The following day, we unpacked our now reduced to four large bags and used all the closet and dresser space assigned to us. And we didn't pack it. There's still plenty of room for more things to go in. We did five days of laundry in machines that didn't beat around the bush. What is it with English washers that use a thimble full of water and take two hours? What they save on water is lost on electricity. Then we had our fruit and yogurt lunch sitting outside in the garden. And for dinner, we had a salad and I was in Hog heaven. 
to use another one of my daughter's phrases. We put the king-size duvet and its bright cover on the bed. Yes, we shrink-wrapped a massive duvet to bring across the pond. After all the air had been sucked out, it fit very neatly into one of our six bags. Now our room looks like ours. It helps that we have spent quite a bit of time down there at the house with the children during the last 20-some-odd years I've lived here. And walking in a gated community is quite an experience. Everyone hails me. In their strong accents, they tell me what a beautiful fall evening it is for a walk. And I agree with my British reserve. The week before leaving England, we paid a visit to our artist cousins in Canterbury. We'd only seen them once, I think while we were there, so we had to see them again, and Canterbury is always a great city to visit. We went a little early to look for second-hand gold charms for my bracelet and talk around the lovely Tudor buildings for old time's sake. It was a Monday and wasn't too busy. My cousins are always such generous and kind people. The loss of their son when he was 21 a couple of years ago was such a tragedy. It's affected their remaining children in heart-tearing ways, and they're the ones standing firm to keep the family steady and together. And I was pleased to note that Cherry has resumed her pot-making, and they're throwing their house open to the public for the next three weekends as part of the Canterbury Festival, and to show off their pots, their watercolours, and some of their youngest daughter's brilliant knitted creations. This is the first time they've participated since their son became ill, so it's a major turning point in their lives. We ate lunch, chatted, watched the kiln give off more than a thousand degrees of heat, and sat while Cherry etched decorations in her creations. I had no idea it was that intricate. All these years I've just happily bought her pots with their familiar patterns and thought nothing about the work that went into them after throwing them on the wheel, and my brother was throwing them away. I came away with a couple of carved pots that I found and a few what she calls beakers. Perfect for mulled wine, she told me. What a good idea. And for something completely different, we went to see Deep Purple at the Roundhouse. Anyone out there remember them? A heavy metal band from the late 60s, in case you need a little nudge. My Texan has contacts. I don't know any of the original or current members of the band except the keyboard player, whom I met when I first met my cowboy quite a few years ago. They were playing in Camden, which is a very eclectic part of London. Busy, interesting, with outrageous fashions, and probably a very active nightlife, but not particularly safe after dark. The Roundhouse is a fabulous building, and we got seats upstairs instead of having to stand downstairs. The band was deafening. They didn't win the Global Award for Loudest Band in 1972 for nothing. I can safely say that without being accused of being too old. I looked around me that night and there were grandmas and grandpas bopping in their seats and singing along. I kid you not. My cowboy said the average age must have been about 55 or 60. Something isn't quite right about watching old men performing music I danced to in my 80s college days. The audience looked as though it would be more at home at the opera or the symphony. And that sounds very stereotypical of me, doesn't it? Somehow that kind of music just doesn't go with zimmers and hearing aids, white hairs and wrinkles. We left after about an hour, having enjoyed a brief blast from the past. Our ears were ringing. I found out later that three of the members were originals and they did look amazing for 70. Mind you, dyeing the hair blonde, going bald or wearing do-rags hides a lot of little secrets. One thing I did notice, however, was that they didn't have any tattoos. And my cowboy said tattoos are 
were bikers, not rockers back in those days. So, uh, and the rockers didn't tattoo themselves. So um, they didn't have tattoos, which was quite impressive. I expected to see them all over the place. I'm still getting my head around all the things I've checked off my to-do list this year. The fact that our journey went without a hitch was further proof that God's breath, an expression Dortz uses, don't you just love it, carries me along. We presided over a successful wedding, a home sold and ousted contents stored, a performing job for Dortz, the London flat sold, and our subsequent move to mother-in-law land, which is proving to be mutually beneficial. As I said, we needed a roof over our heads, which she has gratefully given us, making quite clear that she didn't need looking after and to leave her to fend for herself, and we were to fend for ourselves. She handed over her office with magnificent views of her back garden to me, and that's where I'm sitting now, and the third bedroom to her blue-eyed son, so we all have a little suite to call our own. In return, she gets the company she's missing. Finally, both my websites are finished. Go have a look. The sociablehomeschooler.com, which has my shows and other articles about all things homeschool that I've talked about over the years, and boomering.org, which is a word I coined to describe what I'm doing as a baby boomer. I'm living in the moment, which I call boomering. During the months it's taken me to get my sites up and running, I've learned more than I ever wanted to know about HTML code, and I can write it after a fashion too. And I've also learned how to resize my photographs so that they look good in the posts and on the sliders, and how not to use badly sized ones because they all squish together. And in fact, I know a lot now about WordPress. So if you need any help with yours, just give me, an, give me an email. Go on my site, have a look and email me. So I have no more excuses to drag my feet on my memoir and my homeschooling book. I need to stay focused and get them finished and published. If I don't, in 10 years, I'll look at myself in the mirror one day and say, what have you been up to, pretty lady? Still not published those books after how many years? And as my blue-eyed cowboy in the interview said, we are going to be collecting my daughter from the airport today. She's had a long day of traveling from Malaga to Madrid, Madrid to Chicago. That plane was late, which means she missed her connection. So she's on another plane. She doesn't get in until 8.45. So she'll have been traveling, oh, I don't know, 18, 19, 20 hours. In fact, I've just spoken to her and she said she still would like Mexican if we can find somewhere that's open. She has a good appetite, that young lady. And then our other son, the married son is in Cambodia. He went out to Singapore to visit his brother-in-law with his wife. And um, while there, he decided to do Thailand and Borneo and Vietnam. And uh, they're gone for three weeks. So they'll be back in a couple of weeks. They've got some great photographs. They've done some great rock climbing. They liked Thailand the best. They said they should have stayed there longer. So I'm sure they'll be wanting to go back there. And it'll be nice to have everybody back in America. But at the moment, slowly but surely, they're all coming back in. And look, it's time for me to go. I have another busy week ahead because Dorts will be home and we'll probably do some shopping. And we may be needed as extras for a big event. I can say no more for the third season of Dallas. And we're sorting out the internet and phone difficulties we're encountering in the country. We just don't get phone service everywhere, which... Uh, is a little bit inconvenient. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, Larry McNinney, for being my guest this week and for believing in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Toginet Radio and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Joel, Anne, Rosemary, Kathleen, Esme, Millicent, Margaret, Jacob, Walter, Jane, 
Olivia, Tina and oodles of others who are part of my growing audience. Stay tuned to Toginet all the time and catch lots of great shows to glide you through your day. Take care and be safe. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Numbers 6, 24 to 26. Doop, doop, doop. Doop, doop, Bye. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toginat. The Sociable Homeschooler is Vivian's attempt to help dispel the stereotypical homeschool family. She and her husband have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who were willing guinea pigs for her foray into homeschooling, the Wildflower Academy, which flourished for 15 years. Vivian is here to be an encourager to all of you who are thinking of homeschooling. Plus, you'll have some great ideas on homework, vacations, keeping science projects in the house, and being popular versus popularity. So we'll see you here next Friday for another engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com.